0: Hey friends, it's Melvin. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's just a few quick things I wanted to notify you guys about before we get started. First up, very soon, new episodes will be releasing Wednesday mornings rather than Tuesday. So don't panic if you don't see a new episode on Tuesday. Just wait a little longer and you'll see it in your feed. Second, we've introduced a mailbag. Check those show notes and toward the bottom you'll see a mailbag link. You'll then be able to text us any questions you might have about movies, the movie industry, or any movie-slash-Christian-related questions you might have. Then we'll respond in a future episode, so send us your questions now. Up next, Patreon polls, which are available to Patreon supporters at the $3 tier or higher, have been updated. Supporters can now suggest films or shows to be reviewed at the end of each month. The two most liked submissions will become the options for the Patreon poll, so if you want to hear us talk about your favorite movie or show, join our Patreon and start campaigning. And lastly, whether you're a new or a long-time listener, please consider writing a review or rating the Cinematic Doctrine podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Apart from financially supporting on Patreon, these are the two most helpful ways to support the show. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. Hi, it's Melvin again. When we recorded for Dear Evan Hansen, we recorded over two hours of content, and then Daniel had more thoughts, so he recorded them independently. With so much to cover, we decided to split our discussion on Dear Evan Hansen into three parts. You're listening to Part 1. Be sure to tune into Parts 2 and 3 when they release. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. Kelvin, how are you doing today? Uh, I woke up this morning, as all of humanity has done since the dawn of time, and I had coffee this morning, as all of humanity should do since the dawn of time, and I'm talking to you, Daniel, so I guess it's an okay morning. Yeah,
1: that's the Pastor Dan effect. It takes a every day, makes it <laughs> six out of ten. That's what I bring yeah, to the table. at minimum. So that's
0: pretty good. You know uh, who had a bad day? Who?
1: Uh, one uh, dear Evan one Hansen. One dear
0: Evan Hansen. Well, actually, I guess Connor had the bad day. I know Evan's... he woke up and he realized, "What the heck? I'm in big. I'm not supposed to be in big. I'm supposed to be a dear Evan Hansen." <laughs> ah, yeah. I beat you to the punch for the first old person joke. <laughs> We're gonna. I really should have. <laughs> I should have written down a list of all I had of a, the jokes that could. I had, had the
1: transition right there. For <laughs> some reason, you just it didn't, didn't run with
0: it. <laughs> I ran with it by making a joke about how he's too old to be playing a 16-year-old kid
1: Do you really think so?
0: I <laughs> <laughs> I love your one text. It's so weird. It's a 30-year-old looking out his window thinking, do the teenagers (laughs) see me? (laughs) Oh, man.
1: So this is supposed to be... Was this supposed to be our worst movie of the year episode?
0: Supposed to... So the Patreon poll was two musicals from this year that are low-rated, specifically on Letterboxd, just because that's what I use all the time. And it was a week away, which some of you listeners may know as the early of the year Netflix faith-based movie where a kid goes to church camp and Dear Evan Hansen. Now a week away you may you already know we have a written post on the website which you can check out so I don't feel too bad about not covering it now. Also because the Patreon supporters, thank you so much for voting, put us into a tie. So we had to just break the tie by me texting Dan going, uh, which uh, which one do you want to do?
1: I deeply regret my choice. And Daniel's <laughs> going honest, through this yeah.
0: crisis of like, oh man, I don't know. And I'm like, Catherine says she would just rather do the worst thing in the world than watch A Week away again. And then you were like, I guess... Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> Out of respect
1: for your wife, Melvin.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd prefer she doesn't do whatever that thing is that was in her mind. So, it would be interesting to talk about it a week away. Doing more Christian movies on the show might be interesting. Yeah, not because, I've not, not because we're that. just all oh, Christians, so we want to meet the meet the needs, quote unquote, of other Christians. But because I think they, they give us an opportunity to actually go into the Christian part of the podcast. As opposed to the just you and I watch
1: a lot of movies part of yeah. the podcast. I think, yeah. I think we also tend to not pick shows and movies that cause us to use that muscle necessarily. There's just not a lot of Christian subtext in you know, Black Widow or whatever. So, And that's the downside of having to do a show where we also need to talk about movies that people have actually seen. But yeah. also, I want to – I know we have a tightly structured and outlined show, but if you'll <laughs> you indulge me for a second to <laughs> –
0: Uh, Yes, that is what we're known for.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tightly scripted, not a hair out of place. Uh, When we talk about like worst movies of the year, by the time this episode airs, there'll probably be three more direct-to-video Bruce Willis movies that have hit streaming Mm -hmm. where he sits in a chair or his body double is in 80% of his scenes and he's only in 20 minutes in the movie. There are always going to be plenty of quote-unquote worst movies than this. You know, if you... If you if you, the worst we've ever seen is a big budget blockbuster of some kind, you haven't seen nothing. There's every week ten to fifteen movies come out that you'll never watch, and they're worse yeah. than anything you've ever seen. Yeah,
0: Catherine, Catherine was like, "Is this going to be like Last Vampire on Earth?" And I was like, "No, it's not going to be like Last Vampire <laughs> on Earth. It's also not going to be as funny as Last Vampire on Earth." But no,
1: I got some good chuckles out of this one though. Yeah. But when when we talk about bad movies, typically the worst movie of the year quote-unquote, it will be a movie that for some reason gains a reputation and becomes the object of scorn discourse. Like, there are probably worse movies out there than Cats, for example, but Cats is such a mesmerizing, strange thing that exists that it needs discussion.
0: Dude, I thought Rise of Skywalker, which released the same weekend, was worse than Cats. That's not saying Cats is great. I just Uh, found Cats (laughs) more interesting to watch because it was so unabashed Whereas, like, Rise of Skywalker was one of the most, like, filtered, committee based movies I've ever seen. I don't Cats know. It was I, like you just took the filter away.
1: <laughs> see, like, I'm in the minority where I feel like Cats is more boring than anything. Like, I really, it was so boring.
0: I thought it was boring, too. That's what I'm talking about. Like, that's how low I think of Rise oh, okay. of
1: Skywalker. <laughs> see, I think Rise of Skywalker is more of an enjoyable disaster, but. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just,
0: it's so flavorless. It's like, it's like six. It's like when you leave a pack of Cheez-Its open and you just forget about them for like a year and then you eat one and you're like, I mean, I guess I can still eat this because it's not ever, ever going to go bad, but it has
1: no flavor. What a strange and, look into your life moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I threw those Cheez-Its out this week. Very confessional episode. of <laughs> <laughs> You
0: wouldn't have it any other way, listener. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: Since the transparency the we give you. Since
0: the beginning, I've been way too confessional. <laughs> so it's all good.
1: Yeah. So is Dear Evan Hansen the worst movie? No, but it, it's one all. of those movies that I am of the opinion that on its face, there are certain things about it that make it just bad, but bad in kind of a way that a lot of things are bad. And then there's just one element that elevates it to just being strange, which I I wonder if it's the same
0: one. Is it, is it that he's, Is that he's old? (laughs) Yes. Because that really is like everybody. I mean, just, i'll let you finish but this well, is just it's like i it's bubbling up because when you're watching the movie it doesn't go away it, it never goes away <laughs> like
1: some sort of conjoined twin on the back of your head that compels you to murder uh devon hansen's <laughs> visible oldness does not leave
0: hey there it's your friendly neighborhood call to action just checking in on you hope you're doing all right I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Wait, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S. and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, I um, thought this was like a hobby thing. You want me to-, to expand to... Cinematic Doctrine. You know right, this already. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to early uncut episodes of the podcast. Oh, and did I mention you get to tell us what to do? That's right. Each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Anyways, I gotta run. So, I'll see you guys later.
1: So, you asked me to talk about the... because you're not online. So, you wanted me to talk about the the discourse and discussion around uh, Dear Evan Hansen. So well,
0: what what is Dear Evan Hansen about at bare minimum so that when we go into this we can start to extrapolate why I mean from the description <laughs> so. of the plot line, you can immediately start seeing, oh, this could be problematic.
1: And well, okay. Then it breaks down and it gets worse. So to be so. relatively vague, because I we're gonna try to maintain our <laughs> the only structure we have, which is we have a part one and part two of our episodes, is So back in 2015, uh, mental health was kind of a thing, like it became a trendy thing where just by talking about it, your project was brave and groundbreaking.
0: And so So out of the ashes of that came
1: a musical called Dear Evan Hansen. Some of you may know it as the one that won the Tonys at the Tony Awards that Kevin Spacey hosted, Uh, because now floating around online, there's a picture of him dressed as Dear Evan Hansen with the cast (laughs) and everything. (laughs) <laughs> it's part of this long tradition oh, man. where there are a lot of musicals that as musicals for various reasons just work better part of it's because of the nature of the medium the actual plot and plots and story sometimes gets put on the back burner in exchange for big musical numbers and selling an emotion and vibe and you also get to cover up certain things such as People tend to play older uh, – well, older actors tend to play younger, I should say, which you don't notice when you're sitting 50 rows back in a theater. Yeah, versus, some nosebleeders, yeah. Versus in a, in a movie theater. So, Dear Evan Hansen became one of those things that was just destined to be made into a film. And it was one of those also musicals that was very popular among theater people. Like, I heard about this uh, via my wife, who's a big fan of musicals, but didn't necessarily have the mainstream penetration that something like Hamilton does. So, when the trailer, the initial teaser trailer for Dear Evan Hansen comes out, the internet just loses its mind. Because I don't know if you've seen the original trailer, but the original trailer gives none of the actual plot away. And a lot of people, so the trailer just features the titular Evan Hansen looking very scared and talking about how he has to share and he has secrets. And then you see him looking at this guy, Connor. And so, a lot of people were like, is this a Gay movie? Is this a movie about a kid who's going to come out of the closet? And then when that becomes not what the movie is about, everyone's like, "What is this movie about? Why is this weird old man in this in this school?" And because Evan Hansen looks, the actor playing him, Ben Platt, just looks really old. Now, yeah, to be clear, Ben Platt is twenty eight playing a seventeen year old, which isn't the worst thing in the world. The problem is Ben Platt visibly looks to be about thirty five or forty years old. Yeah, which kills. Yeah kills everything in the movie dead on arrival and then it comes out guess who's producing the movie ben platt's dad mark platt is producing the film i
0: didn't know that
1: and so hey isn't it weird (laughs) that ben platt's dad made what is essentially a vanity project for his son to get all the oscars Well, and also because
0: ben platt was in the original broadway run he
1: originated the role he helped design the role he was part of the group that wrote the musical Which is fine. I can understand. But it definitely has this air of Ben Platt seemed uncomfortable with the idea of someone else taking his baby, the role he helped create, and potentially getting any sort of award season buzz on it. And so then he he and his dad helped put the movie together and fund it and all that stuff. And so that combo caused the internet to also kind of turn on the film in terms of like there's no sympathy. Because maybe if it was – because here's the thing. And I'm not the first person to point this out there's a lot of ways that Ben Platt could have been involved in the project. Like he could have played the dad, he could have played dad. the family,
0: <laughs> the dad of the family that he connects with. When,
1: he could have played a teacher at the yeah. school. He could have been just stayed on as a producer. So if the movie won best picture, he could still get the best picture Oscar for it as a producer. Uh, he could have just been a co-director or something like if Frank Miller can co-direct in city. surely Ben Platt can co-direct a musical that he had in producing. And then the movie itself comes out. Now, the actual plot of the story is as follows. Dear Evan Hansen is a sad boy with a non-specified mental illness, though it's heavily implied to be some mixture of anxiety, depression, and possibly some sort of like, um, I, I'm, I, I'm not saying this to be mean. This has been something that has been speculated. It's maybe some form sort of Asperger's or something. Uh, he does not socialize well. He feels left out and i'm gonna i'm gonna keep my comments to myself before i finish the plot and so <laughs> his his therapist recommends that he writes letters to himself which is a thing to be fair yes. yes and uh for whatever reason he starts having interactions with one character connor for the first time in his life and he also makes the horrible decision to write one of his letters at school on <laughs> the school computers and put it out which is just mental but that needs to happen and so Connor initially is mean to him. Then he feels bad. So he tries to make up with Evan and then Connor ends up with through a series of very contrived circumstances, ends up with Evan Hansen's letter on him, which is addressed to himself. So it says dear Evan Hansen. And unfortunately Connor then goes home and commits suicide. And so when his parents find him, they find this letter and they assume that this was a suicide note. And since it's literally addressed to Evan Hansen, and Connor does not have any other friends. They just assume that Evan is his best friend. And so Evan gets swept up in the moment. And for reasons that are... <laughs> Daniel's brain just broke. <laughs> for reasons, he just goes along with it. And yeah. just, it's just... He goes along with it and the lies spins out of control. And then they run out of things to do. So they start inventing reasons for the movie to keep going. And by the end it all wraps up in a nice bow is what i'll say now and so where the movie severe loses audiences is, is as a play there were some red flags raised about the actual plot and story but specifically the light in which characters are cast in all those issues come roaring to the forefront as an actual movie where the focus is on the story and characters and uh that mixture of the fact that gosh darn it Ben Platt looks way too old to play. Student it's just.
0: I mean, it is like Mark Hamill and the on Mandalorian. It. it is like.
1: Only it this bothers like, me more.
0: This bo- <laughs> yeah, me? I texted you and I said, it is organic Uncanny Valley. Because like, Uncanny Valley is specifically <laughs> regarded to like something made to look human but it's just a little off. This is, he is a human being (laughs) and it doesn't look right. Like it just,
1: he looks younger in interviews. I've seen him in the, the attempts to make him look younger in the movie only make him to look older, partially because all the other actors are also not teenagers, but they can convincingly play teenagers.
0: Yeah. Like Zoe, her character actually just looks like, like there's a scene. So, so Evan Hansen's (laughs) character likes Zoe, um, yeah, but Evan Hansen looks like a 30 year old and then Zoe looks the youngest out of the entire cast. <laughs> so she looks like she's like 13. So it just feels weird. Yeah, it- <laughs> and they're like singing to each other and like she like comes into his room and I'm like, ah <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's just like but like
1: it's it, yeah, it, it is it is pulls
0: you out every time <laughs> and they're using wide lenses a lot so it makes his head look bigger and his body <laughs> look smaller
1: so and he looks- makes all these acting decisions <laughs> uh, to play like he's anxiety, like, anxious. he's like
0: kyle mooney he performs like kyle mooney all like he does the head twirls and they're like oh okay uh, <laughs> he, he, yeah. and he likes these finger movements and it just like it just makes him look more like more like an adult um and then he's wearing the outfits that they give him are all like <laughs> elementary school student outfits because it's like we got to make him look like a kid right and it's just like, it's
1: just, like he dre- <laughs> yeah he dresses like a sixth grader visiting a high school on, where you get to like, <laughs> pick like oh you can yeah, come little, here when you, you he know. wears
0: like full colored striped shirts like solid colors like from a rainbow it's- It's like
1: it's one of those amazing bad decisions that takes a relatively because like Malfin and I are are seem split on the actual content of the movie itself. But if you're spoilers like me and you were not a fan of the movie it's a special ingredient that just elevates it to something else entirely well
0: it elevates it even if you were kind of in, well,
1: into it it because, does like it, but- all of
0: the seeds i just like there's not a there's not a moment there's not a moment <laughs> where you accept that this guy is a 16 year old it, kid it's
1: amazing and it really and there's also <laughs> is other the power decisions of
0: casting like you've seen great casting like jill and in um uh the uh, uh Nightcrawler like where it's like just some of the best casting you've ever seen in Hollywood and then this is the exact opposite of that yeah. <laughs> where it's just the literal worst casting you've ever seen oh man but if your dad is paying for the movie I don't <laughs> know like, did you even have a choice yeah. like
1: it's it's, one of, it's also uh, one of those things where like it, so, so two thoughts really quickly first is it's the anti version of like when Mickey Rourke was cast in the wrestler where the fact he looks old and worn down works for the character he's playing or he's playing a down his luck downtrodden person who's been literally and fatally beat up imagine that casting decision but placed in what's supposed to be a coming of age musical rom It just replaces Noah
0: Centineo and ps i love you or whatever to all the boys <laughs> yes. just feel like yes. it's wrong <laughs> it
1: it but also it's like we've seen this in there's a the the television adaptation of what hot american summer where they made the decision to not get younger actors they purposely brought back the all the now famous actors to come back and play teenagers at a summer camp but they're all like old paul rudd amy poehler people where that's part of the joke except in this case it's being played 100 straight which depending on your level of engagement makes it either funnier or just nightmarish yeah so uh because we cannot get into this without getting into spoilers just some i found Things that I thought were funny aside, I actually found the movie very morally troubling and borderline disturbing at times for various reasons. And I also found the actual songs in the movie to be really flat outside of there's one musical number, Sincerely Me, which is awesome. Like there's one legitimately awesome musical number in this that really got me. It's fun. It's funny in a kind of like a dark way. And it's the one time as the movie kind of leaned into its own. Oh, yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. Yeah. When it has its own personality, because the movie kind of doesn't have personality. Yeah, it point. has
1: personality. It, but it also like sincerely me acknowledges the inherent kind of darkness of its own story in a right. way the rest of the movie just doesn't, and it's very strange.
0: The sincerely me track is uh, after Evan Hansen has. Well, been... I mean,
1: I guess we can get the plot a little bit. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, I, I mean, how how else can we get into
1: this? Okay, I mean, well, before we get into spoilers, what is what are your feelings for the movie?
0: <laughs> I am. I think it's fine. I think I think um, I like movies that are like building up a house of cards, but the person building the house of cards is doing something just more morally, morally reprehensible. I, there's a point in the movie where like Evan does something like to the next degree of like, I cannot believe he just did that to like keep this lie going. And I said to Catherine, I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I just love seeing this get worse and worse and worse, not as a movie like – artistically get worse but like just the story becoming more immoral and wrong without it ever being like offensive to me in the sense of like you know people are being assaulted or like i don't know i don't know how to describe it you know what i mean though i think but like so i just i like that like the, uh this made me think of a netflix original teen movie called Sierra burgess is a loser where she, the character Sierra burgess thinks she's a loser but she likes this one character noah centenio and At some point, I think their numbers get traded and she starts catfishing him as another character, as one of her friends that she, uh, one of her friends that she thinks is more pretty. And so then her and her friend actually just keep the catfish going. So like she's the one texting Centennial, but then like when they go on dates, the friend goes on the dates and it's just like, it just, you you kind of, like I'm watching it going, how much further is this going to go? and then when is it all going to fall apart? And to me I like that cuz it's like this is terrible. <laughs> like you're being a horrible person right now, but I'm also sympathizing cuz it's like you think of yourself so lowly that you have to do these twisted ways to get your joy. And I don't know, I I like that kind of immorality in a fictional setting. And I like the resolution of it and seeing how things work out. And so with this movie, I was all for that, even especially how twisted it is. I mean, this kid's dead and then like her his like they visit the mom and the mom's like you guys were best friends do you have any like emails or anything he's like uh uh yeah i have emails with connor and then we get this track where it's basically him and his friend making fake emails where they're just like how they've been talking to each other for the last few like months and it's like that's that's twisted dude this is wrong and then like the next scene they give the letters to the mom and she's like oh, you just gave me my son back. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so terrible. This is
1: so bad. Yeah, except in the movie, it's not played for laughs. Uh, I know, a- but
0: like, it's played <laughs> fully seriously and I'm I'm not laughing about it. I actually like that turmoil of like, this is sick. Like, I don't know, something about that, the way it's produced in me, was really like I would hope is the original intent of the play because it's not just that it's but it's also
1: not you're unfortunately
0: yeah I guess you have to tell me but like <laughs> but yeah I liked all, all that to say is I like that I but I un, I completely understand why people are like I can't get into that because they didn't like the Burgess either so like I I get that so yeah for me it was fine well cried twice got me at the end so It's not good. That is shocking to me. I,
1: (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) fully hold you to task.
0: I enjoyed it. And there was like a scene at the end that basically was me last year or no, actually just me in January at the end. So it was a bit too hard, harsh. Catherine leans over and gets his, gets the tissues. She's like, it's not good, but that hit me hard. (laughs) Like, (laughs) so like, yeah, I get it. You, I, No one else who's listening to this episode will watch Me
1: this. watching Jean-Claude Van Damme movies.
0: Oh man, it's not good. <laughs> but that punch was hard. It's, it's a movie that no one else listening to this show will tune into and like at all, I think. But like, what a surprise that Melvin has. <laughs> Interesting taste. I've seen way too many movies on this planet. I'm at a point where my brain is just a mush of nonsense. You do one thing in a movie, and I might like it.
1: And I'm like, oh, it was pretty good. Oh, nice. <laughs> this is worse than Halloween Kills to me. Just like both this episode and the movie itself. I'm trying to think. Oh,
0: uh, yeah. I don't think I like this. as I don't think I had as much fun with this as Halloween Kills.
1: What but. a weird scale we've created for our show. <laughs> How does this compare to Halloween Kills for you? Uh, <laughs> I like the scale. <laughs> this is a good scale. It's only like one that matters, baby. No, it's like I just to give. I was literally walking around my apartment last night, just like mumbling to myself, like, "Oh my gosh, I cannot believe this movie." Oh my gosh. <laughs> so uh, let's. Okay, so first, is this
0: a case of like you're watching something and you you can't believe that they're choosing that decision because it's questionable or moral, and you're thinking, "What are the implications
1: of it?" I have no problem with characters in movies being immoral. Right. Ab- yeah, all. me neither. I For me, it's a tone and presentation thing. And that's the really, 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 really strange thing about this movie. So for the only context I have for the musical is that my wife listened to the soundtrack while she was playing Hades. And so sometimes when songs would come on, I'd recognize them from things I heard in the background while I was doing something else. Uh, but my understanding is that the play kind of more leans into the idea that evan hansen is a less sympathetic character like they kind of acknowledge that what he's doing is icky and bad and that is the weird thing about this movie is that you never get a sense that evan is being as purposeful as he should be or as remorseful as he should be or anything he's the movie kind of goes out of its way to portray almost all of his actions as almost incidental like there's very few instances where he like 100% plans to do anything. It just sort of things just sort of fumble and fall out of his hands. And he kind of loses the plot somewhere along the line. And then at a certain point, he just sort of becomes comfortable with decision because he ended up at a place that he likes. And the movie also paints him way too sympathetic for the entirety of the movie. And then it kind of never, never punishes him for anything he does. Like the movie, he actually ends up in a better place than where he started which is completely insane for the actual events of the film as they play out because Mm -hmm. so due to one of the most contrived setups in a movie I've seen in a long time, which is fine because I'm okay with a weird setup. If you're trying to tell an interesting story. Uh, So the dear Evan Hansen letter, he writes at the beginning of the film, which for some reason is writing a school computer. And for some reason he prints out at his school computer. uh, He, he mentions Zoe by name. So when Connor sees it, He's like, is this some weird thing? Is this why you were talking to me? Which is weird because as Evan himself points out, Connor started the conversation. Connor also is the only person to sign his cast because he felt bad about yelling at him earlier. Uh, that's why he runs away with the letter and just keeps it with him. And so despite the fact the letter is not very much a suicide so note, his mom just a 100% buys into the idea that you guys must have been best friends, which I'm like, okay. And so at first I'm like, maybe this is a thing where like his mom is the one who is totally bought into this lie because she needs it. Because she really wants to believe their son wasn't this horrible person who like nobody liked. But because that happens in real life. I don't know if you're familiar with instances like the whole thing with uh, Anastasia and like lost heiresses who are known to be dead. But people think maybe they're still alive somewhere. There's like historical instances where people come out of the world and can be like, oh, I'm Anastasia. And then like the grandmother will be like, yes, she's returned and everyone else will just play along because it makes the grandma happy. And I thought we'd do something like this where like Zoe and the dad would be like, I know that you weren't friends with Connor, but if this was what makes Amy Adams happy, we'll do it. But for some reason, everyone else just kind of also buys into the lie. And this really is underlined by two problems (laughs) that come up where, for example, there's a scene which makes sense on paper where zoe's like i feel like connor didn't like me you know because it's even implied that like because you see like holes in connor's wall where he was deeply troubled and violent he even like breaks down her door to attack her at some point and she's like i just feel like my brother didn't like me and he's like oh no he knows all kinds of stuff about you and he sings a song and the song on paper is kind of an interesting idea where he sings a song that's supposed to be connor's perspective of like things he knows about his sister but it's things evan notices and they're things that no brother in the universe would say about their sister totally like oh i thought you looked pretty and stuff and i like the way your mouth curves and it smiles it's like why would zoe believe this she would either believe that her brother is a weirdo pervert guy or she'd be like oh evan's lying to me because he has a crush on me and this happens throughout the movie there's a thing where like they've faked the emails but the emails as far as we could tell cannot and do not mention any of the things that connor was actually going through because throughout the film we get very specific details of things connor was struggling with and none of these are things he mentions in the emails there's stuff like man i'm really struggling my parents are tough you know it's just like <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. just as a teenager confessing all his deep dark secrets would say to a friend and so the movie has all of these weird things in it which would maybe be okay if the movie had something interesting to say but the whole time, the movie doesn't say anything about any of the stuff that's happening. It's just very vague, general platitudes about mental illness, where it's like, man, Connor sure was struggling. It's very
0: much a 2016 mental illness, illness mental illness narrative, yeah. it's sort of behind their thing because like, there are certain things in it that I think work uh, in the sense that like, like the fear that the particular characters are going through or that even the whole family's dynamic and their response to Connor being dead. Like, so Zoe being his sister is like the the no remorse or no Requiem track or whatever, where like each, each figure in the family has a completely different reason and response to Connor dying. So like the sister's like, he was horrible. So I'm not, I'm not going to just start crying that my brother is dead because he was a monster or the dad, um saying like being bitter saying like i gave him everything and he didn't appreciate it so i'm not going to feel bad about him dying or even the mom who totally being swindled by evan hansen is like now even though he's dead i'm getting to learn things about my son that i didn't know so i'm not gonna like i kind of enjoyed seeing more than just everybody just be miserable or more than everybody just be like oh we love connor and this i like I think that kind of open dynamic is accurate. But yeah, by the end of the movie, not only are there no consequences for when inevitably the secret gets out.
1: Yeah. There's- lot of stuff about
0: that which there could have been considering apparently everybody looks at their phone whenever there's a new tweet
1: <laughs> on the internet um like the like end of john does. wick 2 this like people at the grocery store are like did you see the new connor evan hansen even worse <laughs> i i thought of glass the end of glass i didn't see glass oh man it's like it's like Shyamalan's never been on social media it's bad except evan hansen who checks instagram on his desktop computer like my dad apparently <laughs>
0: I love. Him. Well, he is like 30s, so, like, <laughs> <Dude.
1: laughs> so it's okay. Should have put glasses on to read the posts.
0: Um. Yeah, there are certain <laughs> dynamics about the movie that I think work in somewhat portraying some aspects of mental illness that I think are often misunderstood or not understood by general audiences, which it, this movie is a general audience targeted movie. But it doesn't get into like the complicated weeds of it all. Like, it would have been great if there were consequences at the end of the movie because a big issue is that Evan Hansen is doing something terrible and he can still be loved and suffer consequences for what he's done. I don't know, but I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> You're talking about this one good track and a musical.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. There's a, so obviously like there's a thing where Connor's dad and the only reason I, cause I know I'm, I don't remember character names well, but Connor is mentioned so often and there's literal multiple things named after him in the movie. So in this case, I think they will remember uh, Connor's dad apparently monitors emails cause Connor was a troubled teen. So then Evan and his friend who is not his friend, but also is his friend, but it doesn't matter. Cause half the three, he just stops being in the movies. So who cares? He, uh, they decide to start making fake emails. And there's a whole track where they're like coming, like his friends criticizing the way he's writing them. And the whole musical number, Connor's like dancing and frolicking throughout the school. And as they edit and change lines, he'll redo the lines and they'll, there's some fun editing choices. He's, it's running, it's, it's fun, it's rollicking, but there's like a dark sense of humor to it. Cause is he's there, dead
0: and he would never have said any. Cause of there's these. a literal yeah.
1: dead body jump r- r- dancing and acting out being Evan's friend, which is, It's great in this instance, but there's other moments in the movie where that basic same thing happens, where you see Evan imagining what it'd be like to be friends with Connor. And that's – or even – especially when he's, like, telling stories of that. And that's not played as dark. It's just played kind of sad or or, or endearing. That's what I like,
0: though. I liked how just, like, sad that was.
1: It's, like, sad in, like, not the way – like, to me, it was sad because I'm like, this is depressing because I'm sitting there thinking about what's happening but, like, you're supposed to, like, be like, wouldn't that – poor Evan. What a guy. He doesn't have any friends, so he has to imagine he's friends with a dead kid. But, like, in the context of the movie, he's lying to a grieving family. And there's also this weird underlying thing where for first part of the movie, like, they're opening, like, 30 minutes or so. Connor – I'm sorry. Evan can't even talk to people. Like he's scared, his hands are sweaty. He's like nervous. He's jittery. He Naruto runs away from Zoe. Yeah, the Kyle Mooney stuff. Yeah, um, which is hilarious. Uh, that Naruto run and like yeah, it's real funny. But then like suddenly, when lying about Connor, he just can talk all of a sudden. And it's like, is he like get? Does he get a rush from lying to this grieving family? He suddenly can talk a lot. And it's like one thing that's never like really mentioned. He just suddenly gains confidence because I guess he gets really confident from lying about being friends with Connor it's very weird and so like there's just there's these shifts in Evan's character throughout the movie where I guess they're supposed to believe that the act of lying gives him more strength or something I don't know it's his at a certain point all of his like nervousness just disappears from the movie only to come back up again when he did a big emotional scene like when he's he's because you can't
0: sing if you're nervous Daniel (laughs) you have to be able to sing
1: (laughs) and also (laughs) one weird thing this movie does there's multiple points in the movie where they decide that evan's gonna sing and everyone's gonna talk and it's extremely funny to me where like there's the first scene where he's at dinner and everyone's just talking normal and evan's just singing at them and then the end of the movie there's a big dramatic thing where he's like confessing his sins to the family and he's just singing and they're just like what but but all that stuff he said and he just sings what? It's fail, <laughs> fail and they go back to talking and he talks a little yeah. bit then he goes back to singing and at the point where he just finishes his song it just hard cuts to the family just sitting there like flabbergasted and i cackled alone in my living room just like oh my gosh like this movie doesn't know what it's doing like what is happening yeah it's 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 such a tonal nightmare it's
0: asking a lot of its audience Cause I think there's a lot of like forgiveness that you have to do, but when you make a movie, you shouldn't make it with the expectation that your audience will look to like, look away, like, look aside. Like, "Mm, I don't see that. That's okay. Like you're already asking the entire audience to look away at the fact that this guy's like 39 years old. Like this, that is one huge ask. You can't keep straining that. Like there is a point when you have lost the right to test your audience anymore. And when you have that bad of casting and then he's your lead and he's going to be there for the whole time, especially too, when you cast Amy Adams, who has just been like in stinker after stinker, like it's just sort of like poor woman. She keeps picking She's like
1: these cool, what are ostensibly prestige projects that just don't pan out. It's, I feel very bad for her.
0: Yeah. Not a good agent right now. Someone's about to get fired, but like, um, she's <laughs> just burning through agents, <laughs> like, um, kind of like when uh, DC was burning through uh, showrunners for their entire um, for their movies or whatever. <laughs> like, th- one of their movies hadn't even come out yet, and they fired them. But uh, and then Aquaman and Shazam killed it. They were picked by those guys. It was ridiculous. But, anyways, yeah, you're already asking a lot of your audience to to put aside certain things because, like, for me, I I was fine with the idea of like he's singing and everyone else isn't. They didn't have to give me a reason for why when he's singing, like does singing act as confidence or is, cause like the beginning even sort of implies like he's going to be him, but the confident version of him, or he's going to be him, but the whatever. And then like the rest of the movie is that he's being the confident version of him, which is being kind of a, a horrible person. Horrible <laughs> person. Yeah. um, And like, yeah, I, so I didn't, I didn't mind that. I don't think this movie, well, this kind of goes into something I think, talked to cat about we've talked about before but it's like uh yeah you started with this every year there's sort of everybody's waiting to find that one movie to jump on and kind of make fun of and they'll make tweets about it and it'll be all over and it's a great time whatever and i kind of thought halloween kills was that but i guess i just like bad movies and then like a movie will come out and it's like all right this is the one where all the youtube videos are out and Catherine's like seeing like online like here's why this movie's bad and it's a picture of evan hansen crying or something oh that that. image
1: is so funny uh
0: and it's just like it just it just doesn't work because he's like 48 years old (laughs) i don't know man when you're like 63 you should
1: not be acting as a 16 year old but oh well they make a point to mention he's a senior in high school which i feel like was a very sad attempt to be like maybe he just that old looking 18, even in the opening
0: song, even in the opening song, when he's singing at the high school, he just, he looks, it just, he looks like a substitute teacher. I don't know. It
1: just, we just have to break his arm.
0: I I can't get through it, man. (laughs) I can't get through it. But all that to say is like, I, I, I don't know if this movie is worthy of the, the, the way it's being beat up on other than perhaps the fact that it's a movie about suicide that has some problematic issues in it, um, and then is also being kind of targeted as a, since it's PG thirteen is being targeted to a younger audience. When I don't even know if like the movie because of its subject matter of him basically lying and manipulating a dead person, um, I don't know if this would be a movie you'd want to show younger people just because it's just like it requires a bit. It requires somebody to recognize that what he's doing is wrong before you get to the end and they they just say it out loud. So, like, yeah, Here, I don't here's,
1: know. He, I, I've, first, I haven't mentioned the really stupid stuff in the movie because there's a lot of stupid stuff in the movie. The movie just progressively. It jumps a shark like three times. It's kind of impressive.
0: The, all of the YouTube stuff and the Internet stuff is bad. It is. We yeah. are back in the age of someone who doesn't know how social media works making a movie about social media.
1: Yeah, to sum it up quickly, there's a couple things that are just stupid that just aggravate me more than anything. First is that Connor uh, Evan gives a speech at Connor's graduation where he repeats the story he made up about him and Connor being best buds and him helping when He broke his arm because he's just just lying at this point in the movie. And then it becomes a big inspirational song, which is Hilarious because it's like one of those like viral like you'll never guess what this kid said and like I think one of these yeah, videos literally has the thing like you'll never guess what happens next yeah uh, and it turns Kinder out he surprise g- yeah <laughs>
0: might as well just said that
1: yeah <laughs> turns out he gives a speech to a memorial service I never would have guessed but and then it cuts to like reaction shots where like one of the people literally go I watch this video every day it's it like changed what? my life I can't stop watching this video what and so for no reason the, the video goes viral but it's
0: played seriously. And I think that doesn't work because uh, so you sent me an article that said that this was based on an experience that a writer had where someone died in their school, someone committed suicide and people came out of the woodwork saying, yeah, I knew him or yeah, he was important to me or yeah, we were friends. But it turns out like none of these people knew this kid. And so like in the beginning of this movie, they set up seeds of like people taking advantage of the fact that he died. Like you see his lock, you see Connor's locker locker, and they take selfies at his locker, but then the previous scene those same kids were bullying connor and so like
1: which is an interesting idea the movie never does anything with
0: it doesn't yeah cuz then like you get to this song and there's all these people who are viral going off about like this was so important to me but then like it's the same kids who made fun of connor and like <laughs> all this other stuff and i it's not it's not handled well it's at not all.
1: examined at all nothing in this yeah. movie is examined that's the one of the problems and this is this is this is kind of the root issue with the movie, which is the movie is afraid to actually give Evan Hansen any dimensions in any direction. They simultaneously want you to sympathize with him as he just keeps finding himself in this weird situation. But they also act show him actively doing things that aren't just like bad. They're monstrously horrible towards his family. He
0: builds the Connor project or his friend does, but he continues to participate in it. He shows the death letter quote unquote death letter to someone when it was supposed to stay private through yes. in the family. And he's like, there are all these active lies that he is participating in that benefit him too. But it's he not his keeps,
1: fault. You know, yeah. that's the problem. The movie can't the movie can't decide because I, I texted you this, which is this movie been a great dark comedy? Because it reminds me a lot of a movie called uh World's Greatest Dad, which is a Bob Keckold movie, where Robin Williams um has this awful, terrible son, but when his son dies like accidentally he makes up a fake suicide note and it becomes like this big thing or it becomes this inspirational figure. And this is 2009 and that movie leans into the dark implications of story, or it should have been a dark drama where it's, you know, like you portray Evan as a not good person, but you get what I think are the intended points of this movie where you examine somebody who feels so alone. They have to insert themselves into a real tragedy, but it doesn't do that either. It just wants – it wants to be the schmaltzy feel-good story with one of the worst, most like, like evil stories you could think of, which is a guy is essentially psychologically torturing a family that is grieving and lost her son and becomes like a surrogate son. He hurts his mom in the process, Julianne Moore. There's a great scene where Amy Adams, Julian Moore acting, and you were like, oh, wow, good acting. And you just like forget that, like, <laughs> you've just watched this guy ham it up for like yeah. two hours and there's great acting. And so, by not giving Evan a character really outside of being sad, the movie completely like makes itself toothless. And so, you just left with this st- because by the end of it, I'm not to get to the end of the story, I'm what's the point? Like, what are they trying to say about any of these topics? Cause they're throwing a lot of like top shelf words around and discussions and buzzwords to talk about mental illness and suicide grieving. And it doesn't say anything about any of them. It's bad to lie. Doesn't it suck to feel lonely? I don't need this movie for those things or this musical. I can get that just scrolling through Instagram stories from inspirational quote groups or something. The movie has this, immense story it takes it has this immense grasp and doesn't say anything about any of these topics because by the end of the movie there first off the movie makes this horrible decision plot wise where you think that because in any version movie because you talk about like you like movies where people build house of cards and it falls apart none of none of his lies catch up to him the reason that this whole thing falls apart is he One person, Alana, who we haven't mentioned because she's not a very important character. It's just like, are you sure you're friends with
0: Connor? And she has a great line. She's like, did I just lie to all of these people? And you're thinking like, this is how lies work and what makes them so dangerous. Because like, some people start to believe in you. And then if it turns out you've been lying to them the whole time, like you're really deep. You're really that's bad <laughs> that is really 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 really
1: bad yeah and that doesn't that doesn't go anywhere exactly exactly but, exactly. but yeah. it's not his family that actually knew him and for some reason don't realize that this person they've never met before is the one lying it's alana and she's immediately assuaged when he's just like oh let me send you the suicide note he wrote, which is his dear Evan Hansen letter, which he texts to her instead of just showing it to her on his phone or something. And then she posts it online, and then he, Evan feels bad because now everyone starts getting mad at the family for some reason. It's very strange. Like they, everyone just turns on the family because wow, seems like a bad family. Even though, even though, even though the letter. The suicide note, the Evan Hansen letter, doesn't implicate the family, doesn't mention the family's being mean. It just mentions he feels alone, which everyone who's thought about suicide feels. For some reason, everyone does the strangest thing, and they decide to blame the family for it for some reason. Okay. <laughs> and then Evan feels bad and finally confesses. And that's what happens. His lies don't catch up to him. The house of cards doesn't actually collapse at any point. He just pulls the plug himself because he just... Realizes finally, like, oh wait! By lying to his family and creating a fake version of their son that they can finally love, and stealing away the real memories they had of him, probably, I should probably stop doing that. And that's how it all ends. It's really strange. Why? Like, what? <laughs> what happened? Where did there's a there's versions of this movie. Like, if I gave you the premise, you could you and you listener, anyone listening to this could probably come up with a better version of this story immediately. I don't understand why any decisions were made the way they were. And before we get into actual resolution, I mean, I'm ranting and raving.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I was thinking of The Way Back. Did you see that with Ben Affleck? No, the Ben Affleck uh, alcoholic basketball movie. (laughs) Yeah, that's the one. Um, So that one kind of culminates with consequences. And it really kind of draws on the consequences of while you're struggling with mental health, what kind of problems are spurred on by the evil you commit, the sins you commit to try and, you know, assuage the tension inside of you, the turmoil inside of you. And so that's what makes the movie kind of great. And ever since I've seen it, I've thought about it very fondly Um, better since I've seen it uh, better than then. And like this one, yeah. By the time you get to the ending, by the time you get to that part where the House of Cards falls apart, the movie only has like seven minutes left, and so you really don't get to see this resolution of like consequences. I think like so the reason like the movie connected with me at least in the ending was just because the song that Julianne Moore has for Hanson at the end, where she sings uh, M-bop, uh and she uh, says the word
1: "truck" a bunch of times, in <laughs> yeah, inflections, and it's auto tuned. <laughs>
0: Is it actually auto-tuned? Yeah.
1: You don't you don't hear it? <laughs> I know. I guess you couldn't I guess you couldn't reach it. There's a couple, like the dad has some some vocals in the sh- in the movie that are clearly auto-tuned as well.
0: That's what happens when you just cast actors to yeah. do some singing. But uh yeah, the 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 scene itself just like hit personally because it reminded both my wife and I of, of January um when I'm recovering from uh, or beginning my recovery for mental health issues and sin struggles and stuff like that. Uh, but then like, yeah, the movie doesn't really continue to show the process of what it was like for him to confess not only his sin, but then also what he thinks about himself and then for his mom to embrace him and be like, I'm not going to like leave you. I'm with you. I love you. So it's like, you know, it's not finished. Like the story doesn't, the story ends, but it's not finished because there's also like, st- like, why doesn't he like go to inpatient or something <laughs> like, because that's probably the safest place for him. If, if, uh if the internet and his high school are like what we've seen throughout the movie, this guy would be getting targeted by everybody on social media at school. All this stuff. He the safest place he could be in is impatient or something like that. Or switch schools, dude. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know he's about to
1: graduate. The funny, like, we're because we're getting to the end. I might not be able have a chance to mention it. The funny thing is because of how old he looks early on in the movie. It. You could almost tell me this was like a take on Billy Madison, where the guy was getting bullied because he's an old man. <laughs> like there's always things <laughs> where he's sitting alone at lunch, yeah. and it's just like, well, you are an adult with yeah. A I don't want sit with an adult. That's weird. But I'm uh, sorry, continue with what you're saying. That's
0: all. I mean, like it just I, you're right. Like it doesn't finish. Um, it doesn't show the consequences of him. His character is a bit too pathetic to be, like, like I. Just because I understand his motivation doesn't mean that I think it's done well. There are parts, it's one of these movies where, like, parts of it I enjoyed because I like that it's so twisted and, like, kind of like gross and grotesque. I kind of enjoy that in movies sometimes. Like the fact that he is just lying, like that song where he's singing to Zoe about how, uh, like, yeah, your brother, uh, actually, he, uh, he, he was thought you were cool, and then he's just singing all about it. <laughs> he thought you were pretty and attractive and beautiful. And he yeah, wishes it was that just you would know weird. Him. <laughs> like, um, but like, I'm like, <laughs> that this is sounds great. Like my Connor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm like this is awesome. <laughs>
0: like I just. Think, but like, like, it's
1: not supposed to be sick and twisted in the context of the movie. That's where this. Like if. If he was, like, the villain of the story. But he is
0: lying, and we know he's lying from the beginning. Well, he is the villain of the story.
1: Like, but he's not portrayed that way in the movie. You're supposed to feel bad for him. You're not supposed to be like, ah, oh, that Evan. Up to his old tricks.
0: I think you can feel bad and think he's a villain. Because, like, uh, Uncut Gems, Adam Sandler is the bad guy, and I'm sympathetic to him at the same time. That's a very different performance. Yeah,
1: But they consistently, like, in that movie, show you that he's not a good guy throughout that movie and you like you just want him to turn things around and he just keeps pressing the gas <laughs> and you <laughs> yeah. know and that
0: versus this because it's more incidental the fact yeah. that his like situations of things getting worse is more incidental or out of his control it doesn't make as much sense
1: and would never work in the real world it th- this would never work like his plan it just the only and the only reason it falls apart is because he confesses like that's weird. Like, this, sh- his lie should have found him
0: out. There would have been a great, like, additional track where Hits lists him deciding, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna parade this dead body as my best friend and become important. Because, yeah, like, with your enhanced. description, with with the history behind it being, like, I was inspired by the fact that these people said, I knew this dead kid, and then whatever. Like, you can see how Hansen, De- Evan Hansen as a character is that exact situation of like, I wasn't seen by anybody, I didn't matter, and then this kid dies, and if I act like I know him, then I do. Like, I I liked all that. I just, yeah, it's not as... It's not as realized as the story probably needs to be for the type of story that it's about, which is teen suicide and mental health. Um, those are so sensitive that it requires very, like... It requires a lot more fulfilled maturity to handle that in a way that could be helpful to people. Because I'm sure this movie was also pioneered and advertised as one of those, everybody should see this. And it's, wow, it yes. means so much. Yeah, it's very, it and it's like, I don't know about that. Like I, I had that run through my mind at times, but I think I thought that because the people that I would show this to are such babies in terms of loving other people <laughs> that, like, this would be like, wow, that was a great movie. And if you were to ask them what their favorite movie of the year was at the end, they'd be like, hmm, well, I saw Black Widow and Shang-Chi, but that Dear Evan Hansen movie was really good. And so, like, it's like Baby's first Donnie Darko, but a musical, that kind of thing. Although Donnie Darko's great, so I don't know. No comparison there. But I I mean, to, all, all that to say is, like, it's... I. This is like Halloween Kills, where everything you say I agree with, but there are also parts where when I'm watching it, I'm I'm also like, in it. Plus, I had to pay fifteen dollars for this, <laughs> so uh, which yeah. by the way, this is the most expensive episode we've ever recorded because it would cost a total of thirty-five dollars to to for the two of us to check this one out. So, thank you, Patreon supporters. <laughs> Hey, all Remember, this is the first of three episodes on Dear Evan Hansen. Keep watching your podcast feed for part two, where we dive further into the questionable ethics of this problematic musical. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon, for as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash doctrine. A special shout-out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Shirlian, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.